Today on CityCast Boise, my movie bestie George Prentice from Boise State Public Radio is here to chat about two films he thinks are a must-watch for Boise this winter. We talk Idaho vibes, a screenplay with Moscow roots, and George shares a few of his top movies for 2022. Just a heads up, this episode does include a mention of sexual assault. It's Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. Hi, George. Thanks for being here. Hi, Emma. I'm very excited to talk to you about uh, all these amazing movies. You get to see these films before they're in theaters, and I'm so jealous. How do you keep from spoiling things for people? I am more interested in people seeing a good film than I am telling them the whole story about it. There are some critics who are, for lack of a better phrase, showing off by telling you how much they can about the story. And so I'm more interested in talking to people after they've seen a film on a personal basis. And so it doesn't do me any good and certainly doesn't doesn't do them any good if I spoil it for them. <laughs> and Emma, haven't you had that experience? Have, have Has someone ever spoiled a film for you? Yes, and I'm very particular. Like, I usually don't watch trailers. I don't like to know anything mm-hmm. about a film before going in. I don't like to know people's opinions. I really like to go in just fully open, you know, and and just like find out everything while I'm there in the theater. So I really appreciate people who, when they talk about a film, are really careful with the details and will more sort of say like, oh, you'll, you'll love the costuming or, you know what I mean, are kind of more vague in their praise yep. instead of being like, oh, at minute 47, you're going to freak out. And I'm like, no, don't do that, please. So <laughs> I appreciate your tact there. I am a sucker for a happy ending. And Mm -hmm. I would hate to spoil that for someone. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. So before we started recording, you told us about women talking. And even though it's not set anywhere close to Idaho, you said it has a lot of Idaho themes. What do you mean? Well, the story is about um, faith. It takes place in a isolated religious community. Um, And horrible, horrible crimes have been committed against the women in this community and the children in this community by the men. And all of the men have been arrested and are jailed in in the nearby town. And the women are tasked with what to do. So there are some who say, well, our faith tells us to obey. Our faith says to do nothing. They have to decide what their fate will be. And it leads to, quite frankly, an ending that I'm not going to spoil for you, but you really process it with them. So let's think about faith and how it is a shield for a number of people, and in particular, a number of people here in Idaho. There has been a debate for the last several years about faith healing and faith healing exemptions. And there is a faith community in Canyon County. It is the followers of Christ. As many as 200 children have died because they were not given medical attention and their guardians or caregivers instead prayed at the foot of their beds 
and told law enforcement later, told medical professionals later, well, you can't tell us what to do. Our faith tells us that we do not believe in medicine. A number of people have gone to the legislature time and again to say, these exemptions that are protecting the people in this community from being prosecuted for crimes have to go. These exemptions have to go. But the second that you tell many lawmakers about faith healing exemptions, they want to turn it into a broader conversation about, well, we can't tell a faith what to do. That's so interesting because, you know, I watched the trailer, which just the trailer alone was so powerful. And that the cast, I mean, Claire Foy, Frances McDormand, I I literally yelled when Frances, Frances McDormand showed up on the screen. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know she was in it. And it what it brought up for me was, you know, right now we're having all of these themes of people calling the LGBTQ plus community groomers and saying that the drag shows happening in town are done by groomers and pedophiles. And, you know, here it's it's this movie that seems to be just from the trailer showing that the people who have hurt the women and children in this uh, small community are, in fact, the, you know, straight white religious leaders. And that's for me what tied in immediately to Idaho themes is sort of this bigger conversation about who is grooming, who is who is doing sexual assault, you know. So I thought that was super interesting and so you spoke with director Sarah Polly at the Toronto Film Festival about adapting the book to a movie. We actually have a clip from that we're going to go ahead and play right now. You know, as a woman in general, you've had really, really difficult, possibly traumatic, damaging experiences in this world. And the idea of moving through the rage, unpacking it, reckoning with it, and finding or thinking about or having the courage to imagine a remedy or a different world, or just the imagining of something else, as opposed to just talking about what we want to tear down, to talk about what we want to build, um, was enormously hopeful and helpful. And and the novel did that for me, as it did so many women, I think, was just to allow your imagination to expand beyond the confines of the personal experience and of the damage, and to look forward. What an incredible quote, my gosh. Sarah Polly talks the way poets write right? Mm-hmm. Um, when she talks about going from rage to remedy, from rage to hope, if you look at the trailer of this film, you're thinking, how could there possibly be any hope in this story? But it is that narrative arc. And yes, it does open up at, almost as if it belongs on the screen. As a matter of fact, there are moments when this film absolutely soars. It is quite beautiful in spite of the fact that most of it takes place in a hayloft. Yeah, I mean, just the trailer alone, really, I mean, it gave me chills. And and on a personal note, you were talking about, and, and again, none of this spoils anything because I saw this in the trailer, but mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about the choices these women have to make. And, you know, as a sexual assault survivor myself, um, it is very interesting how quickly the conversation when you come out as a sexual assault survivor turns to forgiveness of the person who assaulted you, generally a man. And the movie seems to immediately deal with that. And it just looks so powerful and incredible. And to see that the aftermath, like the assault is one thing. The aftermath of the assault for me in my personal case was as traumatic uh, as the original assault because of of this expectation that I would forgive the person who had assaulted me and that that was my responsibility and part of, like you said, moving forward and having hope was all hinged on how I forgave the person who had hurt me. So I'm just so excited. I'm so excited that you're 
bringing this to people's attention because it just looks amazing. Well, let's talk about another new film that has direct ties to Idaho, uh, The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser, but written by Samuel Hunter, who is from Moscow. You interviewed him recently and you asked him about the writing process. I had a few false starts and then it wasn't until I put some more personal stuff on the line and wrote a play that definitely was my most vulnerable play I'd written to date, you know, uh, about this. You know, I grew up gay in Idaho and I self-medicated with food for a good long while in my 20s. And so once I kind of added that to the mix, then the play really started to emerge. So this story is at least partly autobiographical for Samuel Hunter. Is the story set in Moscow? Does it feel like an Idaho story? It does feel like an Idaho story, but I also think it's a universal story. It does not mention Moscow in particular, but yes, it does take place in Idaho because we know that the play took place in Moscow, Idaho. And Sam Hunter wrote this as a play, and it found some success off-Broadway in New York. And that is where producers said, yeah, let's turn this into a film. And I have to tell you that the reason that The Whale is a must-see is Brendan Fraser and his performance. Yeah, I've I've heard that. And but the movie has gotten some pushback that it's fat phobic specifically. You asked Hunter about that, too. Let's listen to his response. Whatever prejudices or judgments that some people might bring to this film that, you know, seven minutes in, you know, largely due to Brendan's incredibly nuanced and lived in performance, those those prejudices just begin to melt away. And that's that's always how I hope the play would work. And I was I, I'm so happy that the that the film seems to be working in that way as well. Hmm. Do you agree with him, George? I do. I have to admit that I approached this film with a great deal of skepticism. I was curious about it, but I also thought, well, I've seen this story before, and uh, whether it's a lifetime movie of the week or some other film where, okay, here's the trope of the lonely fat person, an actor in a fat suit. And we're going to have to work our way through this process. What happens in The Whale, though, is Brendan Fraser's performance pushes through all of that. His performance is that great. The Whale as a film is flawed. I will tell you that. His performance is not. And so the first two minutes, if you will, you're thinking, oh my gosh, is that Brendan Fraser? And then you're thinking, are these... Is that a fat suit? Is this CGI? And that all washes away easily within five minutes. And mm. it is his performance. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to trust you on that one because watching the trailer, I uh, my initial reaction was like, is this the redemption story of a deadbeat dad? Like, I was not mm. like super excited about the story. Although even from the trailer, you can feel the depth of his performance. So I'm going to take your word for that. I'm going to check it out, even though initially I hadn't been very excited about it because it it didn't really resonate to me in the in the way that women talking did. So and I, I trust also, you, George. Yeah, I, thank you. I was also skeptical of it of, OK, well, here we go. Nicole Kidman puts on a fake nose and she wins an Oscar. Charlize Theron uh, scrubs her makeup off and she wins an Oscar. Um, and so here was just another film of somebody with a lot of makeup or no makeup or a lot of CGI and they're playing against type. And so I was a little reluctant on that. No, it's his performance that pushes through. And by the way, where has Brendan Fraser been? 
Well, I'm guessing this role has been waiting for him. Mm, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's his his story sort of ties in with what we were talking about earlier, since he was sexually assaulted, blacklisted from Hollywood, you know, spent years not being able to work and then comes back with this specific role. I mean, there is probably a a reason why normally I would be like, hey, have a fat actor play a fat role. You know, that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to put someone, a star in a fat suit. That's so disrespectful. But maybe there really is something to having Brendan Fraser play this this role, like you said. I think I think the curiosity factor is pretty strong on this. Um, I, I can tell you that The Whale just scored the biggest art house opening of the year hmm. in opening in uh, New York and Los Angeles. And I think that's based on the curiosity factor. Let's let's talk about that, because both of these films, you know, uh, they got early release dates in other parts of the country. Uh, It's so frustrating. Why does everything take so long for Boise to get movies? It's so it's so hard to, like, wait. (laughs) I agree. Producers and distributors and in particular studios try to be very crafty with the way they roll out a film, especially this time of year. I mean, we're in award season, so they will do the festival circuit, much like The Whale and and talking and Women Talking did. Uh, they played in Toronto and Telluride or Venice or New York. And then you must open in theaters in New York or Los Angeles at least one week in the calendar year. So that's why so many of these films are opening now in New York or Los Angeles to be eligible for an Oscar. Oh, okay. And then they they begin a rollout, if you will. Then they'll add, let's say, 30 more cities the next week, and then maybe 200 more cities the next week. So it's not as if Boise's low on the list. Boise's pretty much on the same list as, say, Kansas City, St. Louis, or or Dallas-Fort Worth. All right. So it is all about buzz. It is all about trying to stretch that buzz out as much as they can, all the way to when... Oscar nominations come out, which will be sometime in February. Well, it's it's hard to wait, but I, I get the plan. <laughs> I, I went to the flicks last week on a Saturday and it was uh, it was pretty light, honestly, not a ton of people there. And it bummed me out. And I was going to ask you, what do you think? Is Boise showing up to movies like we did before the pandemic yet? I think it depends. I think if uh, you and I were to go between Christmas and New Year, I think a lot of people will be there. I think people start getting serious about films, and I think films get serious about people after Christmas. So I think people are returning. I actually went to the flicks about three weeks ago, and I planted myself in the uh, little dining area, what they call Rick's Cafe, for about four hours. And I just sat and I chatted with people of what lured them back to the movies. And I got all kinds of answers. But people are hungry, number one, to be in each other's presence. But I think they're also hungry for something good. And movies are about to get good again. Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of great movies this year. Um, And it's kind of the season for best ofs right now. So what topped your list in 2022? So I create what I call movie madness. And I create a bracket of the best films of the year. And I've been doing this for about 15 years now. So I actually had to curate and get about 32 films that I thought were either good or great and make their way down to a sweet 16, elite eight, final four. And <laughs> and, and I, I do that for, for Boise Weekly, and it's actually syndicated, and a, and a number of papers uh, reprint it. So I've just completed it, and uh, it'll be published this week. Yes. I uh, can't wait to and, see it. 
I wonder how many we share. (laughs) I wonder how many, like, how many crossovers we have. I'm very interested. So how about it? I'll give you my top eight. Uh, So the Elite Eight, if you will. Okay. Okay. So in my Elite Eight, I have Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Amazing. The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's new film, Tar, the film with the Cape Blanchette. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which most people have not seen yet. It's a documentary. It has not made its way here. I think it is by far the best documentary of the year. It is about art and the Sackler family. Um, I thought Top Gun Maverick should be in the Elite Eight. Okay. I think it uh, it defied expectations. It sat on the shelf for quite some time. And it, quite frankly, brought a lot of people back into theaters. Everything, everywhere, all at once, a, a, a wonderful, crazy art house film, which you cannot get out of your head, uh, Women Talking and The Whale. And by the way, my favorite two films of the year were The Fablemans and Women Talking. Okay. Well, I haven't checked out The Fablemans yet, but no Banshees of Inisherin on there? I thought maybe that would be on there. I loved that. I, You know, I, I did too. It is in my Sweet 16. I liked The Whale a little bit more. Banshees of Inisherin is so Irish. <laughs> uh, and, and so and so West and, and not even so Irish. It's so West Irish. And it is the definite if anyone really needs to understand what an Irish goodbye is, they need to see this film. Um, talk about endings. We're not gonna spoil the ending, <laughs> no, right? No, but that's but, hilarious. You know, the ending the, the ending <laughs> will surprise you. And by the way, the movie is ten times better when you see it with a pint. So that's that's the see fun the part flicks. of going to the yeah. flicks, right? Exactly. <laughs> and having a right a, a glass of beer. And I think Colin Farrell, I think by far it's the best thing he's ever done. Oh, for sure. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. We had a lot of crossovers on my list. I would add RRR and yep. Prey. And I'm going to throw in uh, The Lost City. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was wow. a jaunt. And I know it's a silly little film. When was the last time we had a nice little rom-com to sit down with? Just a nice, sweet little Sandra Bullock rom-com. So that's going in my top eight as well. I think she gets it done. I think yeah. she gets it done time and again. And we underestimate her. And uh, I thought Brad Pitt was hilarious in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was great. Well, George, I could talk movies with you all day. Uh, It's my favorite thing. But thank you for coming on and telling us about these two movies, which I will definitely be checking out. And I hope you have a good rest of your year. Thank you so much, Emma. I should tell people that The Whale is opening this week and Women Talking opens in Idaho third week of January. Emma, have a wonderful holiday. I look forward to talking to you in 2023. If you're interested in checking out George's movie Rex, Women Talking will be at the Flicks January 20th. And you can catch The Whale now at Regal Edwards in Boise or at the Cinemark Majestic in Meridian. And in other news, KTVB is reporting that temperatures in Boise are expected to plunge into the single digits later this week. Freezing temperatures can mean burst pipes, so don't forget to disconnect your garden hoses, shut your foundation vents and garage doors, and cover any exposed piping with heat tape. If you're leaving town, it's all right to turn the heat down as long as you leave it on. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill and Evelyn Avitia. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter. And I'm Emma Arnold. Our music is by All the Kimonos and local band Up Is The Down Is The. We're taking Friday and Monday to be with our loved ones, but we'll be back Tuesday, December 27th. Happy holidays, Boise!